I watched Penny run to you and jump into your arms. And then you like, look at me. And I was like, oh my gosh, everything's changed. Like there was just something. I had no idea what, but I knew something was not okay. What's up, everybody? This is Matt here with the Husband in Law Podcast. This is where we share our stories of love, ex-love, marriage, ex-marriage, divorce, ex-divorce, and coming out of a closet that needed to be opened, and so much more. This podcast is for those who are looking to up their relationship game by understanding first yourself, and then others, like your wife, your husband, and your wife's ex-husband, on a whole new level. Welcome to the Husband in Law Podcast. Let's get this party started. Well, and we were living in Colorado. We'd been there for about a year and a half, and things were really good there. We had a good setup. We had good friends. We had a lot of support. We did. First time that we had kind of reached out and had a lot of support, and we had lots of good systems in place to help us both feel supported. And supported in that I, I mean, we, we were in a good place together, and I was in a good place like with myself and like with my own like gaining understanding of my homosexuality and where I wanted to go with that, which was to stay in this marriage and not go with that. But we were, we were in a good place. So it was really scary, quite honestly, to move. Like I felt very. Cause we had such a good thing going for us in Colorado Springs. It was hard to leave that and move on to some new place. What was the hardest thing to move away from Colorado? I felt like just having the systems in place and the stability. And like we'd, it's the first place we felt like we had, a lot of good friends and and Steve was getting good support, support in the church, good church leaders, good support groups for the various things that we were. There's lots of stuff into. to do outdoors. We could run together. We did lots of races together. It was right. just a good place. So but, it was a big deal to move to Oklahoma. But we knew taking that job in Colorado Springs that it was going to be like a year and a half, two years as like a stepping stone in my career that I wanted a general manager job. And this was the first one that came up in the company. And so when they offered it to me, I took it. So you took a hotel general manager job in Oklahoma. Yes. What part of Oklahoma? Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. City. Oklahoma City. Yep. OKC. So we packed up, moved to Oklahoma, drove there, and put everything in storage. <laughs> yeah, we did. And we moved into the hotel that I was managing. It was a residence in, so I had those two-level penthouse style rooms okay so basically a two bedroom two bath and we moved into that me and you jessica and penny who would have been about a year old no year and a half year and a half yes year and a half yep so and like as soon as we got there we really wanted like it was important to both of us to get those same supports kind of in place okay and so we started it on that basically as soon as we got there like we sat down and met with the clergy of our church, the bishop, bishop right. and I think we met with the stake president too, didn't we? And I was in the habit at this point in our lives of when we, when we moved somewhere new, I would sit down, you know, being a, a member of the church and, but being gay, I would sit down with the new bishop and say, Hey, we're moving into your ward. Here's my scenario. I know I'm gay, but I'm married. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, not engaging that side of myself, I'm staying in my marriage, etc. But I'm going to need some serious support from you in order to do that. Okay. And so I was, you know, that was a conversation I had in Oklahoma City. So and you're right, question. it was actually, it 
was actually, I don't know why it wasn't with the bishop. Actually, I do know why, because we didn't know what ward we were going to be in yet. So So we went to the stake president and said, hey, we're moving into your stake. We're not sure which ward yet. So yeah, had that conversation with the stake president. Okay, cool. So quick question. How many times did you have this conversation? Like in all the places that you moved, like, was this getting like, uh, this is getting so old. I'm having to have this conversation again. It actually was getting comfortable (laughs) as opposed to being like this awkward, difficult conversation to have. Or as opposed to like getting old, it was it was getting comfortable where it was just okay. part of what I knew I needed to do in order to keep myself from, in order to get quickly get set up the... Were you feeling any pressure from anybody else to go in and talk to? No, it was very yeah. much my own will at that point. I mean, I'm sure Jessica was very encouraging of that, but... Well, and something we realized too very quickly in Oklahoma is that they did not have the supports in place like Colorado did. There was basically nothing. They did have like addiction recovery groups, but those were not the same as what you were used to going to. And so it was, we were thinking, okay, this is our chance to kind of be the ones that help start these programs. This is now you're feeling a little more comfortable with this dialogue. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like, all right, we're going to have to help start this up here in Oklahoma. And we really were feeling that confident about this. Like we thought that we had your stuff. Like we had our stuff figured out as far as this is what it takes for us to make this work for us and to, to keep this in a healthy place. We were on a good track. Yeah. And we, we were on a good track. We were Mm -hmm. happy. We were content. We were communicating great at this point. Really open dialogue about all of this. How how often, either on a daily basis or weekly basis, were you guys communicating? Daily. Oh, we talked every about it day. basically every day. Yeah. Whether it was like lighthearted or intense conversations, but it always came up. Like right. there was always like some sort of check in or some communication about what was going on for sure. Okay. When what time of day would you usually do that? Did it mm-hmm. matter? Evening. It was probably dinner at night. time, bedtime, in bed. Yeah. Okay. Pillow, Pillow talk. talk. Yeah. <laughs> Jinx. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just curious just to see if you guys had a routine to do this or was it just it wasn't like it wasn't a planned. set thing yeah, yeah it's just what it ended up being but but it literally was a daily talking point of how was my day as far as was it a rough one where I like white knuckled it all day long because there were all these triggers and all these temptations or was it like pretty smooth sailing and I was in a good place that day okay and it was also very, I mean, like, we did have lighthearted conversations about this as to, did. did you see that guy? That guy's good looking. Like, stuff like that that we... So are, both of you were checking out the same guys. Yes. We we learned pretty quickly that we have pretty similar tastes of dudes. Hence why Steve was so comfortable in hitting on me. <laughs> no, I Just wasn't. kidding. He's never hit on me. For the record, I have not. <laughs> but it was something that, like, it made it easier... I think for both of us to feel comfortable with the conversation, if there was some stuff like that, that we could address that this is real and this is how he's feeling. So we might as well talk about it. Right. And be able to have a, a so fun would, conversation with so it. Obviously, if you guys could give anybody advice right now, who's going through re- relationship struggles. Shall we call it the relationship? Yeah. Like, <laughs> would you say syncing with each other on a daily basis is important? Oh, for sure. I would just say open communication, absolute open communication, where there's no topic that's off limits, where where you can just absolutely, you know, where a gay husband can flat out tell his wife, here's what I struggled with. 
today. Here were the things that were tempting to me. Because that's what every wife wants too, is to be able to express those things. Hey, I had a really hard day today with this, this, and this with the kids, you know? And we want to be accepted and loved for that. It was the same type of idea. Yeah. So I think that's one thing where, Jessica, when you and I got married, like I struggled with because you wanted to know everything and I had never been in that situation. Of, yeah. yeah. She was used to having a husband who came home and unloaded all his emotions from the day. Well, and there's no way I was going to do that. And to this day, I don't unload a lot of emotions. He communicates I wish you could see Jessica's face now. right now. But I communicate. What's that? <laughs> I said, I wish our viewers, our listeners could see Jessica's face right now. You have let me, <laughs> you, Matt, have let me into your emotions a lot more. And now I can read them a lot better because yeah. you've talked, we've talked about them some. So that's made it easier. But yeah, it was a, a big change for Matt and I, for sure. Okay. And it took Steve and I a long time to get there a in our very marriage. very long time. And so that's something I had to remind myself with you is when I married you, Matt, is that this will take some time to be able to rely on each other through all of this. Pretty sure I had to remind you of that a time or two as well. <laughs> yes, yeah, Steve probably did too. That's probably true. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that was really important at that time, besides like talking to church clergy and stuff and getting those things worked out, was that Steve and I had found that working out together and just workouts in general as a daily routine were very important to us. Yeah. And it was a good way to let out stress and emotions and so we joined the gym like right away and just getting those endorphins was a huge help for me like if i was feeling like super drained or exhausted or whatever like i mean it's the case for anyone but but yes we both very much at this point very much relied on our the benefits of our workouts and it was a good thing for us to do together so it was like one of the first things we did as well Yes. Was get a gym membership, which also ended up very being quickly turned into a the downfall a, of a relationship. The gym membership was a downfall of your relationship. Yeah, but we'll get into that down the road. How down far the down road. the road, aren't we there now? We're we're there right now. Oh. Okay. Looking at our timeline. Let's yeah, go. and I guess that is what happened is that three weeks after moving to Oklahoma. Guys started approaching you at the gym. Just a guy. Just one guy? It was more than one. Was it more than one? Yes. It happened several times, and we realized that the downtown YMCA in Oklahoma City- Was the gay gym. Was like, like there was a lot of gays there. Not that it was all that, but that was something we realized very quickly. Yeah. Which makes sense. A nice gym in a downtown. Yeah. So was that the first time that any guy had hit on you at a gym? At a gym, yes. I think. He wasn't asking you- (laughs) <laughs> yeah but yes at a gym yes steve i'm asking you <laughs> yeah it was what was that like so i remember seeing sebastian across the gym i was on a rowing machine and we just like coincidentally made eye contact and i like quickly like turned away and could like feel myself like turning red blushing <laughs> blushing <laughs> Then leaving the gym that day, like as I was walking out, he approached me like out in the parking lot and Where was Jessica this time? Uh it was just me at the gym. I don't I don't know. I was probably home with Penny. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know exactly what all he said, but basically he asked me out or asked me for my phone number. Actually he asked me out. And I just like kind of froze and just was like, couldn't believe this guy that I had seen and checked out at the gym just made eye was contact asking with. me out yeah i just made eye contact approaching with, you in the parking lot yeah. asking you for your phone number 
and I said, well, he asked me out and I said, no, I'm like, no. And I just kind of stumbled, tried to stumble through an answer of basically, no, I'm not gay. And I like pointed to my wedding ring and I'm married. And he's like, well, can I at least get your phone number? And I'm like, no. And I just kind of like turned and walked away. Why do you think he was so adamant? He told me later. <laughs> what do you tell you? That... I'm just curious because that's what's going through my mind. If, if somebody had told me, not that I, not that I'd go and ask for somebody's phone number right now, but <laughs> no, I'm married like that. Okay. That person is not interested, but he was pretty adamant of getting more. Well, he told me later that it was so, like, what so drew him in was the fact that when we made eye contact that I looked away. Okay. That, like... I shouldn't be doing this. Yes. Or, like, an immediate, oh, crap, I made eye contact. Yeah. Okay. Which he said, and, like, I know now is not common if, like two guys are checking each other out at the gym. It's, you right. know, if you're going to make eye contact, it's like, it's a thing. Okay. So the fact that I very quickly looked away was like intriguing to him. I don't know. Okay. So then he, did you give, you gave him his, your phone number? No, I no. left. No, he came right and home and told me about it. I did. I mean, I this was, was like, a... my head was like spinning. Yeah. I just. And it became a talking point of this issue at the gym because it was more than one person that approached you there and you quickly became aware that there was an issue at that gym. So we started going to a different one. We did. A different uh, we went to a different Y that was farther away. Now, how, how long have there. you been? Like, You're right. I do remember that there was another guy now. Yeah. yeah. How long have you? Didn't flat out walk up to me and ask me out, but. No, but there were other instances at the yeah. gym. And you'd been living in Oklahoma for how long? Now? Literally three weeks. Three weeks. All right. It was like right off the bat from moving there. But I remember going home and telling Jessica that this guy had approached me and asked me out and that I had so wanted to say yes, that it was like, just like difficult for me in like a whole deeper way than it, than it was in, in other scenarios. Hmm. Yeah. So that became a talking point too at that point, like checking in and Steve still went to that gym occasionally just out of necessity because it was closer. Closer to your work. Yeah. In our house. Uh, yeah, oh, just, we were still living at the hotel. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just more convenient. And so, and I wanted, I mean, we both wanted to make sure we got those, like, got our workouts in or whatever. But he made it a point to avoid the situation. But I do remember, it, it to you, Jessica, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it was a super big deal to you. Like, you just kind of were like, you know, these things happened and I told you about them regularly. And, and I think your response was just, you know, you're, oh, you're. You're we'll strong. You'll, you'll get through this. Like, glad you told me. Like, move on. You're good. Well, and I think I recognize that we need to set up boundaries too, yes. though. And that always worried me. And I remember being, I was worried, I think, probably more than I let you know, just because probably. I wanted you to keep communicating with me. Mm. But and like, it really did stress me out. Like, if I told you something and I could see that the reaction, like it stressed you out or really worried you, that my natural reaction was to withdraw and like not be quite so open and direct with you. So so you probably, now that I think about it, I'm sure you were kind of... Freaked out a little bit. Yeah. And guarding your but guarding also, those responses. I also recognize these were Steve's choices. And if he felt like he was capable of going to the gym and being okay, then that was something I was okay with. But I was worried. Okay. I was worried basically as soon as we moved to Oklahoma. Like there was something about it that I just struggled with. 
and was worried about before we even moved. So it wasn't like I was waiting for things to fall apart, but I also felt like something was coming. Was it just because new place without all of the great support we had and the systems we had in place? Or was it, I mean, did you literally like have a feeling of like, I don't think I realized that all those things wouldn't be there. I think I was hopeful that they would be there. And then once we got there and knowing they weren't going to be there, I was like, dang it, maybe this is part of why I felt that way. Like this intuition of something's going to change, you know, I don't know. Not having a support system was probably uneasy. Yeah. Yeah. Because I knew how important that had been to you up until that point. Okay. And I knew we were such a great place in Colorado Springs. I just did not want to lose that. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So how did this, how did the relationships, like the things with Sebastian start, start to progress? When did we actually move there? You said, okay, so July. Yeah. So I left for Labor Day. Just trying to think of the time frame. Labor and went, Day. so we're been so, there a couple months. Mm-hmm. And I left and went to a family reunion for Labor Day weekend. Penny and I went. Okay. And I think we left on like a Thursday and came back on Monday or Tuesday or something. You you were gone for five days. I was gone for five days. <laughs> so I probably left Thursday. At least five days. <laughs> and so I left and Steve's working and he had just started there, you know, so he didn't feel like he could take the time off. But I was worried about you leaving because I was worried about me being alone in this new place where I'd had this big temptation already and you not being there like at my side day by day to like be my support. And coming from it from where we had already been, in my mind, I can't live your like nobody can live their life like that. Right. In being the person that's responsible for living life. Fear. Right. Yeah. And now that I think about it, this is where you said this is where you made the statement. Because I expressed to you, like, I'm concerned about you going and me staying. And this is where you said, you're stronger than you, get, than you give yourself credit for. You'll get through this just fine. That was where it was, not the prior conversation. Sounds about right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I just knew I couldn't, there wasn't anything I could do about it. I had to keep living. Mm-hmm. And there were times that if I needed to be there, I was there. Like, I wouldn't go. But this time I just felt like... I'm supposed to go. I want to go see my family. It's a good time. So, Steve, why didn't you so go on that trip? Well, I had to stay for work. work. Brand new job. Yep. You were you only know. there for, what, two months? Yeah. At this point, it was less than two months. At the most, two months. Yeah. And it was clear from the get-go that this hotel was needed some major <laughs> needed some major attention, some major help. And I, I was going to have my work cut out for me. Plus, I was a brand new GM. Right. I didn't have any clue what I was doing, just figuring things out. But... But that's why I didn't go, was work work reasons. Okay. But as soon as you left, Jessica, I actually considered, like, I got on and started shopping for tickets, and I was going to, last minute, just buy a ticket and fly fly out anyway, because I just was so struggling with the thought of, I'm not going to be able to stop myself from going back to that gym and finding that guy, and, like... I just could not stop myself from wanting to do that. So I got online, started shopping for tickets, and was about to buy one and was going to fly home and surprise Jessica. Or tell her I don't know what I would do. But anyway, I was going to do it. But 
you decided it was too much money. Is that what it was? I, yeah, I, that's what you told me. You decided it was too much money. Which, of course, it was to, like, buy a flight to Boise Day of or, you know. But But you also told me you knew that if you didn't get on that plane, you were going to go to the gym and find You told her that? Sebastian. Not after in that moment, fact. after the oh, fact. after the fact. Yeah. But no. I did. I just, I knew that I was letting myself stay in a in a place that up until then I, you know, the kind of place that I would absolutely put every everything in place to keep myself out of that scenario, out of that kind of attempting situation. Yeah. And I knew that I was leaving myself vulnerable there. Got it. So he didn't buy the ticket. So you decided not to buy the ticket because it was probably too yeah. too expensive. Yeah. And the other factor was the fact that you had a job. You needed to take care of that job. Yep. And then what happened? That's my favorite. That's my favorite phrase to ask Penny. <laughs> and then what happened? <laughs> so weekend goes along. I think we chatted a few times. I'm sure we did. Right. And I came home. Got off the airplane, and I remember like this so vividly in my mind this moment of getting off the plane, walking out through security, and finding Steve. And you were like a ways away, and I watched Penny run to you and jump into your arms. And then you like look at me, and I was like, Oh my gosh, everything's changed. Like, there was just something I had no idea what, but I knew something was not okay. And it was just like this like sickening feeling. And knowing we couldn't talk about it right then anyways, because we've got Penny and whatever. It wasn't the appropriate time, but uh, yeah. And I don't know what was different or what had happened, but I just remember that moment. I remember walking to the car. You guys both know me. I don't remember stuff like anything? that. I don't remember anything <laughs> except like very, yeah, that situation I remember. And you said you didn't remember that. Yeah, I like, don't remember the, that any... specifics of that interaction at the airport. But I definitely remember just my overall... Yeah, what were you feeling? Absolute turmoil. Like, I mean, I had had an affair for five days while you were gone, Jessica. So it was from day one? Like, I don't know if it was from day one. But I, I just know that... I think it started Friday night. I'm pretty sure I left Wednesday, like Thursday so I'd been gone for a day. Yeah, I feel like there was, I, I think there was like a day of 24 hours of like complete back and forth going on inside me of like, yeah, just, I want to go back to that gym and find that guy or... I have to be strong. I have to be strong, yes. I can't do this to her and this is not really what I want and, you know, I just this back and forth. But... And it was like over the next week... Like, I tried to pull Steve in and connect with him, and I couldn't. And so I knew something big had happened. And there were other times that that happened in our marriage. Like, it wasn't uncommon for you to withdraw some mm -hmm. and then be able to come back and, and tell me what was going on. So tell us, what were, what were your initial thoughts? I mean, some of the things that had happened before, like maybe there was something big with pornography. Maybe he had gone to like a club or something like not somewhere where he's actually engaging with somebody, but things that were 
feeding the fire. Because that had not been an issue up until now. Like he I had never, I had been never engaged another guy. So that was not something we'd ever had to talk about. And so it was something I was worried about and that was in the back of my head, but I was really trying to subdue. But I knew it was something big because of how I felt. I was like, I mean, Steve would fall asleep and I would be up until two or three in the morning crying and watching Friends. (laughs) I remember I would go down and turn on Friends super low to try and like get myself out of the train of thought. Like to pull myself out of it enough to get myself to fall asleep. With a pint of ice cream? <laughs> no, there wasn't ice cream involved that I remember. <laughs> but I but I do vividly like just remember something was wrong and I knew I had to wait until he was ready to address that with me. How long did it take until he was ready? It was only a week. Yeah. It was not very long. How did that go? So I remember that day too. I remember I'd gotten on your phone, you'd left it in the hotel room. And I always tried to not my, get on his phone. My Blackberry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That laughs> like reading through reading through my journal and my emails and stuff today, like preparing for this recording, there were several things that were sent from Steve's Blackberry. You know, at the bottom of an yeah. email it would say that. Just made me laugh that these were Blackberry days. <laughs> yeah. So I tried I started to read this email that I knew had information that I was looking for. I knew who the person was. I knew that it probably contained what I was looking for. The and person I, that the email was to? Yes. I need to look that one up. The I didn't person look at who today. you sent it to. I can tell you who it was. I won't say it here. I know who you're thinking of. So I started reading and I thought, I got partway down. I was like, I can't do this. Like, I can't, I can't betray his trust like this. I'm, I'm done. And I remember telling you I needed to go to the temple that night. So I went... To the temple. So you didn't read the full email. I did not read the full email. You stopped halfway through the email. I stopped. I did not get any information from it. I just knew that he was reaching out to somebody because something had happened. That's all I knew from the email. And I knew that if I read farther, I would know exactly what it was. Reaching out to someone who was one of my major support people back in Colorado Springs. Someone that I turned to when I was really struggling or like needed like direction and such. Support. And I understood that that was, those were things that weren't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily information I needed to know if he was reaching out to a support person, that that was good that he was doing that. And so I didn't want to overstep that. But while I was there at the temple, I was like, I need to go home and I need to just tell him that I'm sorry for getting on his phone and for his email. And I was like, all right, that's what I'm going to do. Sounds stupid, but I'm going to go home and just apologize for getting on your email. And I wanted to be honest with him and let him know where I was at. And so he knew that I was really unsure of what was going on and needed some answers, some answers, like to know something. Yeah. So that's why I went home and did. And then I remember at that point you flipping on the light and being like. So this was almost like a pillow talk. Yeah. Then it turned on to, I got to turn on the light. This yeah, has this to be is a, a full-on conversation, eye to eye. Yeah. And I remember you saying, Jessica, you have no reason to feel sorry for that. And then telling me everything about Steve, what do you happened. remember this? Yeah. Yeah. It was a rough night. And it was a rough go after that. I remember we discussed what we wanted our relationship to look like, if we were continuing forward in our relationship, or if... So during this talk, everything was disclosed. Everything that needed to be was disclosed. Okay. 
I mean, I didn't ask for all of the details, but enough that I knew what had happened and where Steve was at at that point. And so we discussed like, what do we want this to do? What do we want to do with this? And you, you were lost at that point, Steve. I was lost. That was a hard I, moment. I was like feelingless. I just was completely numb, which I basically had been for days <clears throat> since you'd gotten back. I don't remember what all we talked about in that. I just remember thinking like, why can you not like figure this out? And why can you not? So right now, this is what you're telling yourself at this point. Yes. Why? In my head, this is what I'm saying. As I'm telling these things to Jessica, I'm just like, why can you not like do the right thing here and get your mindset back where it needs to be that, you know, why are, why are you still torn right now? Like your, your wife who you absolutely love and adore is in pieces right now. Why can you not, like, why do you feel torn? And I, I just, you know, I hated myself for it. And, and that's the part that I knew that I couldn't, I wasn't mad at him. I mean, it hurt. It hurt like hell. But I wasn't mad or angry because I knew how much he was hurting. Like, I knew it was genuinely that he was being torn apart. Like, he genuinely was just a mess and that he didn't know what to do. It wasn't personal to me. It was where he was at and what he was having to deal with. These, this had opened something for me outside of myself that I had never in 29 years engaged. And... It was exciting. But at the same time, it was tearing him to pieces. It was what were you going to say? It was not... So I had been unfaithful to you. I'd had an affair. And I thought... I guess there was part of me that thought that this is going to, you know, for once in my life, I'm going to actually let this side of myself be. I'm actually going to, I'm not just going to shut this down. I'm going to actually, like, let this happen. And I, I did, and I thought what I want, what I was hoping would happen would be that I would feel horrible about it. It would feel wrong. It would feel petty it would feel insignificant it would feel you know all that i would feel guilt and remorse and want to repent of it and move forward and that it would be something that i could say that is absolutely not something we're going to do something i would ever do again exactly but it didn't didn't feel that way it validated a side of me i don't know if validated is the right word but it allowed a side of me to be comfortable that had never in my entire life been comfortable. Like it, the bottom line is it was something that felt natural and obviously not the aspect of cheating on my wife. That part did not, but being with a man, I was absolutely shocked that that felt so right and so natural to me. And he and, expressed this to me. I remember you telling me these things. And that's why it was, you know, I, I just didn't even know what to do. Because yeah. it was just like, so you know, once I felt that, it was like I just threw my hands in the air. And it's just like, what does this... I seriously just remember thinking that next morning, like, opening my eyes and feeling so comfortable in my own skin and just thinking, well, shit. 
<laughs> this is not how this is supposed to feel. This was not supposed to feel right and natural. And it absolutely did. So I just didn't know what to do with that information. And that's why it was just, it was just such a hard conversation to have with you about what do we do with this? Because there was a part of me that just knew. So what did you that This do? is a genuine part of myself. Where at this point, <clears throat> what was your guys' plan with your guys' relationship? We kept going. I don't know what we did for like the next couple days or the next. Oh, I know. I just wandered around like a freaking zombie. Like we were both in a little mental coma. I remember during that time too, you had bought me tickets to see Peter Pan. And I think that was before the affair happened and um, before you met Sebastian. And I remember we went to Peter Pan, the two of us. And like Oklahoma, like a local performance. No, it was like a big deal. Like it was Kathy Rigby. It was a big deal. We so, saw Kathy Rigby? Yeah. <laughs> and Peter Pan. Yeah. and No local performance in Oklahoma City? Or where was this at? It was in Oklahoma City, but okay. it was like a traveling performance. So it must have been like, like, it like it the like off-Broadway show or off something. Off-Broadway, or, yeah. Okay. okay. And I remember going to that and just like it was the most awkward. <laughs> you you guys went together? Yeah, because okay. he had bought me tickets. And like we were still trying to make things work, but it was just like a mess. Nothing felt right anymore. Right. About our relationship. Sorry, I just had and, to clarify when, because you kept saying yes. he bought me tickets. Because, like, Sorry. when I buy you tickets to a musical, I usually don't go. That is very true. <laughs> so that's why I'm Steve clarifying went with this. me when okay. we got tickets to go to stuff like that. So, yeah, we went and it was just, it was hard. And, and like, we were still living, I mean, we didn't separate or anything. It's like, no. I mean, we were still living together in that, that hotel room, but it was just. We're still trying to carry on. Yeah. But and we both were just like, you we know, didn't know what to do. And I mm. remember, like, then we found a house. We had been in the. We had already of, found a house. Yeah. Looking through my notes and my emails and my journal That's entry what I today, thought. I we, thought had we had a house had found already. And we were like, not very, we were days away from like moving into it at this point yeah. when we had this conversation. And it was just a rental. We weren't buying a house. But I was, I remember bringing up to you numerous times. Why are we moving into this? Let's just get out now. Like, why are we doing this? And Steve just wanting, I just couldn't let that happen. Yeah. I he, just... He wasn't there yet. Because that's not what I wanted. I, I I wanted to be able to move past this and, and put it behind me and figure out a way to... I, I honestly couldn't say that I regretted finally engaging this side of myself. I just felt like it was... Like I, like I needed to i don't even know how to describe this but my dad said like we talked about it recently and i don't know if you were there at that point or not you joined the conversation steve with my dad later that night but we were talking about it and we were talking about how he's like i've thought about this so many times about how things ended with you and steve and he's like i just don't know that it could have ended any other way i was there for that conversation because there wasn't a way you could have known that's what you wanted and it was the real the way you wanted to go without happening that way right and it's not that he's like it's not that it means it was the right way or that it happened how it should but he's like i've just thought about it so many times and i can't fault steve for that because of how you were raised because of how we believed it was and because just, of what a great thing we had like yeah i never ever could have said like we need to be done so i can go explore this side of myself yeah. i just no Without way. knowing that you felt that 
that it was natural to you. Yeah. I think that that's kind of when it sunk and, in that it was probably the end. But even then, when I had felt that and knew that it, whether I like fully processed that or not, knew that it was something natural to me, I still couldn't bring myself to ever say, like, let's separate and divorce and. Because you had something so good. We had such a good thing. Yeah. Such a good thing. So that's why you're, you move into this new rental, right? We move we into the rental. So at this point, when you're getting ready to move into the new rental, like, are you still talking with Sebastian? Are you having, how much communication are you having with this guy? I from wish the gym? I knew the time frame of when, like, what our move in date was. And honestly, I'm sure I could dig through some more emails and some more paperwork and such and find it. Like we have a signed lease and whatever somewhere, I'm sure. But because reading through these emails and journal entries today, I was trying to piece together like when the timeline did he and I stop talking? When did he and I start talking again? But I know it was very much it. I felt like it was like a week to week thing. Yeah. Like for the first <clears throat> week, he didn't talk to him. And then he would, and Steve would tell me this. Yeah, I emailed him. Yeah, whatever. And this guy this got to me. This was, not, this was not a, a random hookup. No, this was not a... He was a good guy. No strings attached thing. Like he... I very much had feelings for him just almost from the get-go. And But also during this time, Sebastian's telling Steve, listen, man, I would give anything to have a wife that was understanding and to have kids. Like you should not give this up. This is everything I've wanted ever. Like, don't walk away from this. So he's also, I think Sebastian staying in contact with you was him trying to, like, support our marriage in a way. Like, trying to help Steve cope with, you don't want this life. You want to stay what you have. Like, this is a good thing. But And, of course, he felt horrible for... He felt horrible. So I feel like with what our time is tonight, maybe we should talk about moving in. And the penny story, which we've brought up before. Hmm. But that really, I think, shows where we were at at that point. So we move into this house. And I am totally like the whole time we're moving in thinking, I'm not going to live here. Why am I doing this? This is ridiculous. Like, I want to move forward in my marriage. But I also feel like this is not going to be my home. Like, this is not right. And I think at that point, Oklahoma in general, you had just kind of thought this is not where we need to be this is not where we're going to be able to move forward right no uh-uh. i think if we would have stayed together it could not have been in oklahoma right. we right. would have had to move somewhere else and i don't know if it was just because of everything that happened once we got there or if it was a genuine like disdain for oklahoma <laughs> i think i should probably go back to oklahoma so i can give it another <laughs> chance <laughs> but like so steve and i are moving in and we're in this whole process and we are like zombies still. Like we are in this zombie yeah, f- phase just, of emotionally burnt out. And the wheels are just constantly turning, yeah. like trying to figure this out and just make sense of a scenario that absolutely does not make sense. And I feel like we really realized where we we're at when we're moving in. and Our one-year-old. Sudden, all of a sudden we realize she's gone, like totally gone. And we are tearing apart the house looking for her. Is she like, in this room? Is everywhere. she in that room? Is she hiding in a cupboard? Is she asleep somewhere? We're yelling her name. Sounds Penny, like it was a big Penny, house then. Penny. Wasn't it wasn't that, that big. big. Two bedroom. That was the other thing. Is like <laughs> it wasn't big, so we should have been able to find her right away. And then we realized the front door is open because we had the truck outside and we're hauling boxes in and hadn't shut the door behind us because we were coming and going. And so we're we like, are like, I'm seriously panic mode, emotionally like, disconnected. Yeah. yeah, and we're just like. 
she's outside. She has to have left the house. So Steve takes off, like, like, out the door. I'm searching inside. I'm like, I'll stay in and see. Maybe she's playing, like, hide-and-go-seek, you know, like, she's trying to be quiet and hide from us or something. And he takes off out the door and is just frantically searching the neighborhood for Penny. So I go, like, a block down and, like, take a left. And then I just hear this one little sound back, like, behind someone's garage in the alley, kind of. And I go back behind there, and there's Penny standing in a stick pile, like a leaf pile or something. No shoes on. No shoes on, barefoot. So she's gone out the door, across the street, half a block into someone's alley behind their garage. And when I see her, she like lifts her foot and points at it and is like, eh, meaning like, there's Owie. things on my feet. Like, get these things off said, my feet. I think she said shoe-ons, too. Probably shoe-ons. she called shoes with <laughs> shoe-ons. Shoe-ons. She didn't like to be dirty. <laughs> and she had her little backpack that she had put, all like, a bunch of toys in and taken with her. I don't remember that part. Oh, dude, you were, like, dying over that part. I know you don't remember Does it, she... but I remember you dying over that, that she had a backpack full of toys with her. <laughs> like, it was intentional. Uh... But I think it was just then that, like, we really realized we were a mess, emotionally a mess. And that we have this little tiny human being that I mean, needs we were us taking to not care be of her. Yeah. yeah. But she needed us to be in a better place than that. And so we then had to figure out, really sit down and be honest with ourselves as to what we were going to do. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Husband in Law. All right. Now we have a challenge for you. We challenge you to go give someone a huge hug or send a simple gratitude note who needs to receive it specifically from you. If you've enjoyed this episode and you haven't subscribed yet, please be sure to do so now. Also, don't forget to give us a review. We read every single one of them. Until next time, keep striving to make your relationship the best it can possibly be.